Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. Hey, listen, um, Genesis 15, we started this a couple weeks ago. My dad preached last week. I heard it was absolute fire and uh, really, really good. And so I'm super thankful to have that in the building. How many of you enjoyed that last week? It was good. And uh, now he got on the phone with me this week and said, hey, you know the part between the verses you gave me? He goes, yeah, I preached that. I was like, well, I appreciate not preaching the verses I gave you. It's all good. It's all good. He is my dad after all. I will, uh, I will honor him in all things through gritted teeth. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Just joking. He actually just got back. Where were you? Houston. That's right. Just got back from Houston and uh, ministering there this week. And uh, so it's good to have you. Hey, I'm so glad to be talking to you. Uh, honored. I really do feel honored. And um, I want to let you know we do have Wednesday night prayer. I'd love for you to be there for that. Uh, in fact, on the 31st, uh, two Wednesdays from now, uh, the, the last night of prayer is going to be a drive through Historic Southside. We load up on a couple buses from Fortress uh, Youth Development Center, which is about a block and a half over. They're going to drive us around Historic Southside, give us the history of the of the neighborhood, and then uh, and then at a few different spots in the drive, we will. Um, we will take a, a jump out of the, the buses and pray. And I think that'll be cool. And uh, we, uh, we want to do that. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. We might have to RSVP for that one. So I might, we may, I'm just realizing, because I think, yeah. So we'll have to RSVP for that one. We'll, we'll get that online for you. I'll let you know about it. All right, and then after today, Mary, I think we've got a dinner party interest meeting, right? Correct? So if you are interested in either hosting or leading, we don't make you do all of it. If you want to open your home, if you want to help with food, if you want to lead one, a table or a dinner party, uh, you can talk to Mary after the service. We just want to start getting some of that going because those will launch uh, pretty soon. Okay, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, and we'll be there in a moment. Yesterday, I took my son Grayson to uh, his first uh, flag football practice in the last couple years. He had done some I-9 stuff, which was great. It was all about sportsmanship, but I want him to win. And so I... Uh, and so we've signed him up for this other one, and, and they're like running plays. Like if you've run football before, they're like running through the two-hole, the four-hole, the six-hole, the one-hole, three-hole, five. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So he's calling the 22. So he's saying, all right, you're two. You're the running back. The one is the quarterback. Hello, I play quarterback. And because um, I'm number one. All right, so you, so you got the two and the 22-hole. 20, my, my son is intense. We go play in the front yard, and he doesn't want to do anything but play tackle football. And, uh, and he doesn't take it easy on, on me, so I don't take it easy on him. All right? The bruises are from football, okay? And so, like, we, we um, so 20, 24, so he's running these, this guy, this guy's out there trying to get these six-year-olds to run plays and do all this kind of stuff. And then he runs this, we're actually throwing passes. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Greg Ray's got his gloves on. He got the gloves, you know? And, uh, and so we run this, this, we run this stop and go route. In other words, he's running seven yards. He's turning around, making it look like he's coming back for it, and then he's going to take off. Right, and so he runs this route. He, we do this at home. We have we we worked on the out route, the go route. The go route's definitely his favorite. He's done the stop and go. He's done all these things. So, uh, so he runs this route, stops, does a little fake. Oh, he's got the oh, you know, and then he takes off, and the coach throws it to him, and he drops the first one, and I can see he's like, yeah, it's okay. And he does it again, and he drops the second one. Now I can start to see the real Grayson come out. He's starting to get really ticked off. He's frustrated. He's not happy about his failure not happy about what he didn't do. And you could tell, he's like, I know how to catch it, plus I bought these gloves. So he does it on the third one. He does a little, oh, 
And then he goes, and he catches it. And he, like, he doesn't do this, like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. He's like, yeah, that's what I was supposed to happen. And a little strut back. There's this thing that happens in, in sports, and maybe you've heard this before, but you have to have a short memory, right? DeAndre knows. He played college football, right? You got to have a short memory, and I'm sure he messed up a bunch. So he had to have a real short memory. I'm just joking. I have never played football with DeAndre. I have no clue. That's where he and Kelsey met in Dakota. And um, you got to have a short memory. Anybody know what I'm talking about in sports? You, you do something bad. You can't go back to the huddle or back to the dugout or back to the bench, and you can't just sit there and dwell on the thing that didn't go right. You have to have a short memory so that you can go back out there, and while not thinking about what you failed out, think about, think about what you are going to succeed at. The next time you go, you got to think, I'm going to catch it. I don't care if I didn't catch it. I'm going to catch it now, right? And this is so counter because on for me, I've always said this, and maybe this thought is just maturing a little bit, or maybe it's becoming a bit more full, is this, that I believe your faith has to have a good memory. Because if you forget what God has done, then you'll forget what he can do. Right? How many times have you gotten so captivated by what is currently happening that you've forgotten about what has happened, and so you can't think twice about what's going to happen? And so I've always thought, man, you got to have a good memory. Now I'm starting to think maybe, maybe a better way to say this is like your kids have selective hearing or your spouse or whatever. you got to have selective memory. You have to be willing to make decisions about what you will remember and what you won't. Because there will be things in life, listen, none of you are perfect. I'm not perfect, if you haven't found that out by now. We are not perfect people. And we will not do everything correctly. And we will run our stop and go route on a Monday and we will drop the ball. And then we will have to wake up Tuesday and try to run it again. And we might drop the ball again. And on Wednesday we finally get it. And we're like, why did I do that the whole time? And all we can do is think about the times we didn't do it right. It's this idea of this, this tension of like, what do I remember? What should I remember? What is the thing that I should hold on to? And what are the things that I should let go of? You have to have a short memory. Maybe that's not the best way to say it. We need to have a selective memory. And somebody's like, wait, so are, you try, are we talking about ignoring things that, that have happened that we don't need to deal with anymore? Are we try, no, not necessarily. But, we, but we, what we are trying to talk about, especially as we talk about this, this journey of faith, as we talk about this faith that needs to grow and count the stars and look up, count the stars and believe God, we, we have to begin to understand that this is a journey and there are things that are going to happen and, and what you tend to dwell on, what you tend to look at, will ultimately direct your faith or lack of it. And that can be a hard truth to wrestle with. Right? That can be a hard thing because that thing will pop up. The things that will always deter you or distract you or frustrate you or discourage you, those things seem to come around a lot, don't they? The challenge of memory is that memory can make the past present. When you talk about trauma and when you talk about things that people have really gone through that hurt and the pain, most of the time when that thing triggers, it's because something that happened in the past is now becoming what? Present again. And all the possibilities and all the potential and all the things it could or might. Or, and all we can think about is what, oh, it's definitely going to be this way. And so we have these kind of memories that can become present. And it makes it hard for us to reach for what is possible. Because all we can think about is what's happened before. I read this quote this week. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It says this, memories, whether good or bad, 
whether good or bad, must be handled with care. Bad recollections can drive us to despair. Good remembrances can become idols and lead us to wallow in sentimentality. We can paint the past with glamour it never had and, cover, and crown dear ones with halos they never wore. Distance lends enchantment to the view. Wow, that's a good one. Memory can become a tyrant instead of a treasure chest. From the mistakes of the past, let us learn whatever lessons they teach, then forget them, even as God remembers our sins no more. Let precious memories be benedictions, but not bonds. Life must be lived, and we must get on with the job. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go ahead and close the service. Some people just know how to say things. Memories can become a tyrant instead of a treasure chest. Anybody been there before? From the mistakes of the past, let us learn whatever lessons they teach, then forget them, even as God remembers our sins no more. Let precious memories be benedictions, but not bonds. The memories of our past, can we bring them present? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because every journey, every story has a backstory. There's a book by Adam Grant, not a Christian book at all, it's just a business book, and it's called Originals. And one of the myths that he deals with in that book is the idea that someone arrives at a place with perfection, that someone arrives at their current level of success with ease, with simplicity, with no problems, with no road bu- speed bumps, with no, no difficulties, no challenges. They kind of arrive there, and it's been good the whole time, nothing but good, all good, all the time. And they even post it that way. Right? Everything's been fine. It's all been great. And we can live in, like my dad just prayed, this Instagram world where we believe that where someone has arrived at this great marriage, first of all, that picture took 72 different pictures before they could post a good one. Right? We, we assume that when they get to that perfect place, they've always been in that perfect place. And that they will always remain in that perfect place. So we don't look at the things that they've fought through or wrestled with, and that's actually probably where we should look first because it is the things that they've wrestled with that makes me be able to trust them. It makes me be able to listen to them. The backstory is actually really important. The challenge is when the backstory of your journey of faith becomes the full story. And when you allow what has been the backstory of your life to become the full story of your life, then you miss the future story of your life. We can get into this place where everything that has happened will only be the things that will happen. There is no other way. There is no other route. There is no other possibility. There is no other potential. In Genesis 15, verse 1, it says this. This is the first first line in Genesis 15. It says this. After these events. After these events, God shows up. After these things. One translation says, after all these things. What are we talking about? Well, in Genesis 12, God shows up to Abram, who's doing really, really well. He's built a very wealthy household. He's doing great, guys. He's ha- his life is fine. How many of you know God shows up when it's good and bad? He shows up and goes, hey, I think it's time to move. I'm like, no, I just built this thing. Like, I'm good. I've built this well. I'm great. It's all good. And he says, he's, he's, after all these things, so Genesis 12, God promises that he would be a great nation. God promises that you would bless the nations and that your family would be numerous, right? So everyone's going, okay, I can do all of those things. This is great. I love that. Thank you for that prophetic word. I will believe it. I will trust it. I don't really want to test it. I just want it to happen. I'm just going to walk in that promise. 
And God says, but I need you to leave the land you know and go to a land I will show you. Isn't that so great of God to not put all of it in front of him at once, right? To string him along and go, hey, I'm going to show it to you, but I got to know you're going to go first. I got to know that you're going to step out and follow me because I don't want you to follow me just just for where I'm taking you. I want you to follow me because I'm worth following. Oh, man, this is such an encouraging message. Um, And and so there's this this tension here, right? Abram's dealing with all of this stuff. Well, here's what happens right immediately after that. Abram walks into a city, into a region, sees the Pharaoh and goes, oh, man, these guys, my wife is gorgeous. This is going to be a problem. I'm going to, hey, Sarah, listen, can you just act like you're my sister? Don't ever say that to your wife. Can you, can you just be my sister? Because if you're my wife, then they will take you from me. And it, if you're my, so he, he just comes up with this whole plan. And the Pharaoh takes his sister and wants her to be his wife. God steps in and goes, listen, I'm just going to give you a fair warning. If you do what you think you're about to do, it's going to go bad for you. Pharaoh comes out, goes, Abram, what were you thinking? Abram goes, I'm not really sure. Anyone else been there? Okay. I, I don't know what the plan, that plan was terrible. Then later on, he finally makes it past that situation. God redeems it, right, saves it, really. Then he's, then he's in a place where his, his nephew, Lot, is kind of just kind of causing problems. He's, he's built some wealth now, and he's got some things going on, and they really can't hang out in the same place anymore. They need some extra land. They, they got to really spread out. Lot ends up settling in a place where, well, it's not good for him. He's too close to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, right? You guys, you know the story. We're not going to tell that story. Uh, we'll talk about that later maybe. And, and he settles in this place, and, and, um, and, God, and, and, and Abram has to go rescue him. These kings come and take him, right? They, they take Lot and... Uh, and Abram has to go rescue him with just a few guys. Isn't it 318? Yeah, 318. 318 dudes. Goes and defeats these kings, gets his nephew back, brings him back. So now he's scared because, like, just defeated some kings. And back in the day, if you defeat some kings, well, they're going to try to get you back, right? This is, like, this is how it goes. So God shows up after these things. So Abram is in this moment where God is going to remind him of the promise and the things that he wants for him. He's going to remind him of what is possible, but what Abram is dealing with is what is in his backstory. Right? He left in faith. He left like, I'm going to follow you, God, where you've told me to go. But then he makes up his own plan, and then, and then he has his, someone fail him, and, and now he's sitting there with no children. Many years later, after all these things, anybody have all these things? Anyone have some all things? Like, anybody got some things? But looking at me like good Christians. You got some things, right? Okay, we all got some things. And God is showing up and saying, do not fear. I am your shield. I am your great reward, which deals with both of the concerns he has. Okay? Deals with both of the issues. Don't ever sell yourself out because I'm your reward. Don't ever be afraid because I'm your shield. Go ahead and keep walking this thing out. But God's going, after all these things, and Paul has this phrase in, uh, later on in New Testament letters. Paul has this phrase that's a really interesting phrase. It's an, an, an important phrase. It's an important thing to say. In Philippians chapter 3, he says this, Not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it fully, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. One thing I do. Now, here's the deal. Abram had some things to forget, and Paul definitely had some things to forget. Right? What does Paul do? Paul murders and imprisons Christians, and now he's one of them. He's kind of like a leading voice in Christendom, right? Like, he's doing the whole thing. He's got some guilt and some shame that he's carrying, right? He's, he's had some failures. He's been beaten. He's been thrown in prison. He's currently in prison. Like, he's got some things that he could forget, too, and what is he saying? There's one thing I do. I forget what is behind me, and I reach out for what is ahead of me. Now, I know, listen, this is not Paul going, it's simple. He's saying it's primary. He's not telling you it's easy. He's telling you it's important. He's not telling you that, oh, you should just easily let go of all the bad things that have happened in your life. He's saying, man, if you're going to live this life of faith, you're going to have to. At some point, faith is going to require you to forget. At some point, faith is going to have to do the men in black thing and, and do the little button and make you forget some things. At some point, faith is going to require of you to let go of what was so that you can take hold of what could be. After these things, you know this, if you run a race and you look back, what happens? You slow down. I looked it up. I read a runner's magazine this week while I read a paragraph. It was a good paragraph, so... In 99% of racing situations, looking back is not a smart idea. Listen to what they say. Why? Because it is a signal of, of a negative shift in the mindset of an individual. When a runner looks back, it is typically because they are afraid someone is catching up with them. You ever been afraid that your things are catching up with you? They are no longer running to win. They're running to avoid losing. I'm not trying to say that running is like everything when it comes to faith, but Paul seemed to think that that's what it is, that I'm running this race. What does is, what is the writer of Hebrews say? Hey, I want, you to, I want you to look ahead. I want you to strip off every weight. I want, you to, I want you to run this race looking, fixing your eyes on Jesus. In fact, the story of Abram that is retold in Hebrews 11 is one that says this. He says, hey, I, he looked forward to what was to come. Abram, by faith, looked forward to what was to come. This, again, I'm not telling you that you don't need to deal with some things from your past to ignore them, to pretty them up, to make them look better than they were. I'm not telling you any of those things, but I'm telling you to make sure they're in the rearview mirror, not your front window. I'm trying to make sure that you're not driving while looking backwards because that isn't healthy and it's dangerous. I, I'm not telling you it's simple or easy. I'm telling you it's important and primary. That this one thing I do to run this race of faith is to forget what lies behind me and to reach out for what is ahead. Abram and Paul both had to do it. This is not easy. In fact, let me just, I'm just going to throw this into you real quick. For some of you, your impediment to living by faith is not your failures. It's actually your successes. It's actually that you've been able to do it on your own before, so why not do it on your own now? I mean, you can hear that when Abram says something like this. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me? <laughs> I've, I've been there. I've made wealth. I've done all the things. I was on the billboards. I was on the Instagram feed. I had all the things. What can you do for me? Because clearly it's not all happening. Lot's disappointed me, and I've failed. And, and, but I've been successful before. 
And one of the greatest hindrances to living by faith, fully trusting God, is not that we failed in the past, but that we've been so successful we're not sure we even need him. But faith requires the successfuls and the failures to both follow him. In both moments and in both scenarios and both situations. And then this happens. Abram looks at God and he says this. He says, Abram continued. Abram's already gone. Like, what can you do for me? And then he says this. He says, look. Abram tells God, look. I want you to look down at what's going on here. I want you to look down at what has not been successful. I want you to look down at what you haven't done. I want you to look down at the current circumstance. I want you to look down at after all these things. I want you to look. You've given me nothing, no offspring, so a slave in my house. So he's already making plans. He's trying to figure it out himself. He's trying to do it his own way. And he tells God to look down. It's okay. You can do that. You can do that in prayer. Honesty is a great tool in prayer. If you lie about where you're at and then pray about something, no, no, you can be honest with God. He's big enough to handle that. I promise you he's big enough to handle that. But he looks at God and says, look, look, look down here. Do you see what you promised me? I, I can't even have a child. I'm not, I'm not, bar- I'm not, what, look at this. This is not good. What can you give me? I could have done all this back home. I didn't have to leave. I didn't have to go anywhere. Look. Look down. And then God does this really funny, interesting thing. God doesn't actually give Abram his solution. God doesn't answer Abram's frustration by going, no, 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 you don't understand. Sarah's pregnant right now. We're done. We're good. It's all happening. He doesn't look at him and go, no, 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 no. Tomorrow, this is happening. X, Y, Z, the plan's working out. He doesn't do any of that. Like, God could have easily, right then and right there, just answered the prayer. Oh, Abram, I see. Oh, yeah, no. You know what? I had not seen it that way before. (laughs) You're right. I'd been looking up. I need to look down more often. I need to look down there and see what you're going through. But that is to believe that God is not near and close at all times and in all things. No, God never leaves you nor forsakes you. That's his promise to us. And he looks, looks down and he does this to Abram. He goes, hey, 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 come here real quick. Gets him out of his tent. Gets him out of his situation. He says, can you? I know you just told me to look down. I did. I looked. Now I need you to do something for me. I need you to look up. I need you to, God is so gracious. This is a gracious moment for God. God is so, looking down at someone who feels like God has failed. He's actually accusing God of failing. He's going, I've built something before. I've done fine before. I'm looking back, not ahead. And he's going, God's looking at him going, he's pulling him out of his despair. He's pulling him out of his frustration. He's pulling him out of the present circumstance or the past memory. And he's pulling him out of those things. And he's saying, okay, 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 I look down. And now I need you to do something for me. I need you to look up. I need you to look up. I need you to count the stars. Because the promise I made you in Genesis 12 is still the promise I give you in Genesis 15. It's the same promise. And no, it hasn't happened on your timeline or in the way you wanted it to. And maybe the journey's been a little more rocky than you would have expected. And and isn't that great, right? It's true, though. Every purpose God calls you into, he increases you, not just the dream. He has to increase you to the capacity of the vision he's put in your heart. So there's this kind of, like, this is the tension of living by faith. The tension of living by faith is always being able to see what's down and what's back. The tension of faith is also, also making sure that you're seeing what's up. That's why the Hebrews writer says this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
fix your eyes on Jesus. And that doesn't mean like fix them, like correct them or like, you know, repair them. It means to attach. Attach them to Jesus. Don't ever let them lose him. Don't ever take your eyes off Jesus because if you want faith, you need Jesus. If you want faith, you gotta, you gotta find Jesus. You gotta, you gotta see Jesus. You gotta look up and see him. You gotta fix your eyes. Keep looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And you know what the next verse after that is? Because when you grow weary, when you grow tired, when you grow disappointed, when you grow worn out, you will remember what Jesus went through for you and be strengthened and encouraged. So here's the question for you today. Will you look up? Will you look up? And will you trust him? Because here's a simple definition of faith. That you listen and you believe. And when you hear the word, what does it say? That, that God came to Abram and the word of the Lord was. Some of us today, we have, we have spent way too much time, way too much time looking back. Maybe there was time that was needed. Maybe there's things to process. Maybe there are things to talk through. And I'm totally okay with all of that. But I'm going to encourage you today. Maybe I'll challenge you a little bit today. Um, God is cast, asking you again. For some of us, we have told God over and over and over and over and over and over again, look down, look down, look down, look down. And God is looking at you saying, I did. And it changes nothing about the plan and the promise and the purpose I've given you. Hey, see three, four word, look up. Cast your nets. Peter had to look at God and go, hey, uh, Jesus, I, I fished all night, didn't catch anything. Nothing happened. Nothing went right. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, go deeper. Throw it on the other side. Peter had to make a decision, didn't he? After all these things, forgetting what lies behind, Peter had to look at Jesus and go, okay. Okay, I trust you. After all these things, I trust you. Forgetting what lies behind, I trust you. So here's my question to you. <laughs> and it's not an easy one, but it's an important one. And it's not simple it's primary. Will you look up and trust God for what he's promised you, even when everything around you and everything behind you says something else? Because that is the journey of faith. That is the journey we're on. And the promise he gave you is the same promise because he is the same God. Why don't you stand with me? We need to close today. We need to close the service and I appreciate your patience today. Had a lot going on. A lot of stories, a lot of prayer. It's been fantastic. So if you got a roll, I get it. I understand. But I want to pray over you as we, uh, as we close out. And, uh, you know, listen, even as you talk about this building and everything we're doing here, the finances that are going to be involved, the serving that's going to be involved, the, the money that we're going to have to raise, all the things that we're going to do, all of, none of those are detached from counting stars. None of those are detached from the vision and the, and the purpose God's given us. All of those things are simply to support what we are going to do and we are going to look up and forgetting what lies behind. Not because it's all bad, not because it's all good, but I reach forward for what God has called us into. And some of you today, today, right now, in this place, God is asking you, will you trust me? 
Will you trust me? God, will you trust me? Will you trust me that your promise is not dead, that your future is not over, and that your, pre- your past will not define you? that you this morning, would you just open your hands to heaven and you're going, yeah, I need, I need to quit looking back. I need to quit looking down. I need to start looking up again. I got dreams to get on with. I pray that my good things will be benedictions. God, and I pray that memories that have become tyrants, you would redeem and make all things work together for the good of those who love you. Serve according to your purpose. God, I pray right now over every life and over every person right now is saying, I want to look up again. I want to trust you. God, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. God, I trust you. I fished all night, didn't catch anything, but I trust you. God, I failed. I tried to do it my own way, and then my nephew failed me. I've had it all, but I trust you. I believe you. God, I've I've put people in prison for calling on your name. I'm in prison for calling on your name, but I trust you. I follow you. Come on, will we, will we be the echo of the faith we inherited? Will we be an echo of the faith that was passed down to us to say we will continue to look up and fix our eyes on Jesus so that we would not grow weary, but that our faith would be perfected and completed and authored by the hand of Jesus? God, I pray right now in every life, in every heart, every mind, Lord, let him look up. God, let him look up. Let him look up. Let him look up. Let him trust you. Let him trust you. What has happened will not be what will happen. God, they are, they are redeemed. They are made new. All things are made new in you. All things have passed away, God. And so we forget what lies behind, and we reach ahead to what is in front of us. God, I thank you. I thank you that there is a race that's still in front of us, and we will run it with our eyes fixed upon you. Holy Spirit, bring freedom, bring hope, bring forgiveness. Let us forget what is unessential to this journey of faith. In Jesus' name.